I have a uh, group of people who pray for me every week. Uh, they've been doing it for a long time, uh, for years, and uh, I, I really appreciate their prayers. One of the things I remind them of, and that becomes real apparent uh, as, we, as they uh, are praying, is that my week does not always go as I planned. And they are, you know, they are very much aware of that. They know what my schedule is. Each week I give them uh, a sheet that has uh, what, I'm, what I'm expecting uh, to go through during the week and what's ex- what I expect to happen and to get done and, and, and have to do. And uh, they realize that sometimes my week changes. Sometimes it's, it's small things. You know, sometimes it just might be a, you know, a, a series of phone calls. Uh, maybe at a day or a time I didn't expect that I was planning on doing something else. And sometimes it's big things. Um, when, Barb, when Barb Fisher got uh, hit by a car, it was a big thing. Kind of pretty much moved my office over to the hospital for a little while. And, uh, you know, I was working, was working there. Um, you know, so, but they're aware of what goes on and, and that, uh, that life doesn't always unfold as, um, you know, as we plan. Um, all of us have that, don't we? We all have we all have times in our week where if we if we were you know paying attention and if we stopped we would be able to say oh, this is not what I planned you know this is not, not not at all what I planned Easter is a reminder you know of what we are in the midst of what we are in the midst of is not always what we planned. Let's pray, and we're going to take a look at that a little bit more. Father, thank you that you are God who is not surprised. All the stuff that's gone on in, in, the, in the world this last year did not catch you by surprise. You were not only aware of it, you were prepared for it. It was all of us who were left scrambling. And Father, that's the way it is for our life as well. For our individual lives, you are not surprised over what's going on. You are, you are not wondering what should happen next or what you should do. You know. Uh, we want to have a connection with you in which it, it, it is uh, very evident that we are connected to a God who is knowledgeable, who is in control, and who has the power to do something about it. So teach us from your word this morning that we might be a little bit more aware and uh, perhaps when some things come along in our life, that we might be reminded and drawn back to this passage of Scripture and reminded and remember what it means to face the unplanned with you. So help us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24, so if you want to turn there, and as we go through this, I'm going to go through it uh, smaller sections at a time. So, uh, you know, you can, uh, as, as when I stop, you know, we'll be picking it up again, uh, you know, as, as we go through. So, um, in Luke chapter 24, we kind of pick up with what's been going on for the disciples many different times. Uh, they have had many, they, they lived through many of this, this, you know, this is not what I planned moments. 
Uh, they lived, they, they faced many of those since they came to know Christ. It wasn't something that was just left for the end of their time with Christ. It was something they lived pretty much every day with Christ. <laughs> this, you know, this, this, this wasn't what I planned. Uh, and it was obvious the first disciples, uh, those particularly who were also called apostles, they were, you know, it was, they had not planned on following Jesus. Think about some of them, you know, some of them were disciples of John the Baptist and they were following him. And as they were following John the Baptist, and then Jesus came and John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now some of them didn't even catch on to it then because it was, it was at a later time when Jesus came by again. And he pointed them out that a couple of them go and, and then begin to follow Jesus. Now some of them were fishermen. And as fishermen, they had, business, they had a business to run. And that's what they were planning on doing. You know, they were planning on being fishermen. Well, Jesus comes along and you know, he tells them, come and follow me. And some come and follow him. Now, one was a tax collector. Tax collectors weren't well liked then. And they kind of get a bum rap now. You know, they're just doing their job. But, uh, you know, the, the, you know the, the tax collector, to be involved with something that was popular with a larger group of people that was with, had a growing popularity... Uh, a tax collector really wouldn't have been connected with that because he was extremely unpopular. One was called a zealot, a zealot, a religious, uh, a, a, a religious, um, well, a religious probably wouldn't be the, the focus there. What would be the focus there for them was a rebel. You know, to be able to accomplish, to be able to, we, today we would call them extremists. Today we would also probably call them terrorists in some regards you know, well and then uh, some we never hear about again i mean some of the some of the apostles you know we never hear about again and we are told also that one of them chose later to betray jesus uh, but jesus had more disciples than than simply these 12 who we also know as apostles two of them we see here in luke chapter 24 drop down to verse 13 uh, we pick up with two of these lesser known to us disciples. It says, now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. They asked, uh, he, then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. Now notice how it starts. It starts, you know, it says that same day. This is Resurrection Sunday. What we look back on and see as Resurrection Sunday is three days after the crucifixion. And three days after the crucifixion, what was happening to them is it was settling in hard that things had changed. It was settling in in a way that they never wanted it to settle in, that this was not unfolding in the way that they had planned when they hooked up with Jesus, and that this, you know, this was not it. So, you know, these guys were told here they're probably tired and they're traveling. It could be back home. We're just told that they're on the road, you know, to a village 
uh, called Emmaus and that they're on that road, probably traveling back home. Now, if you have your Bible open and you look up at verse 12, what you'll see there is Peter went home also. Peter went home after seeing the empty tomb. He and John went, you know, took off when they were told about the empty tomb. And they went in and they, and they went there and they saw that the tomb was empty. And we're told there in verse 12, it says, well, then Peter went home. Well, here are two of these lesser-known disciples, you know, they, they, they probably were not traveling with Jesus full-time. The 12 apostles were traveling with Jesus full-time. Now, these guys who weren't traveling with him would have to get back to, you know, earning a living. They would have to get back to life. The ones who were traveling with him full-time, the apostles in particular, it seems that they were all supported by, by the, the ministry, if you will. Well, now several of the well-known disciples went back to their regular jobs. At the end of John, chapter 21, it says, you know, you have Simon Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, the sons of thunder, two of them there, and then two other disciples. So you have at least seven of them here that they were together. I'm going fishing. Peter said to them. Now, Peter wasn't going fishing because he was looking for something to do. You see, we say we're going fishing because we want to get away and we want to sit down and we want to watch the world go by. You know, and that's what we say when we're going to go fishing sometimes. What, what Peter is saying is, I'm going back to work. I'm going, I'm going back to my job. What we thought was happening didn't happen. And because it didn't happen, you know, what we had planned on doing here with Jesus didn't come about. I'm going back to work. We're coming with you, they told him. And they went out and got into a boat. You see, they were kind of at a loss as to what to do at this point. This wasn't, this wasn't unfolding like they had planned. And so maybe, we're not told, maybe some of them were even thinking, why did I do this in the first place? Why did I do this? Why did I, why did I bother in the first place? You know, maybe they were saying, you know what, this was a good, this is a good three years. I wish it would have gone on, but, you know, something, something a little different's come along. Well, you know, we're, we're not told all that. All we know is they saw Jesus die. They saw you know, the, the one that they were following, they saw him die on that cross from a distance. Really, it seems like John was the only disciple we're told about that was there. They all took off when he was arrested. They all headed for the hills then. But they saw him die, and now his tomb is empty. You read in the Gospels, and we'll see here in a little bit too, you know, some of the women that were committed to following and helping Jesus, we were told that they were, there were some women that were part of that larger group. Now, some of those women uh, went and they, they saw that uh, they, they found some angels by the tomb, and they were told that, uh, you know, that he had risen, and John and Peter ran to the tomb to see, and they saw that it was empty. And uh, no doubt Thomas was not the only one thinking at this point that I've got to see this for myself before I believe it. You know, Thomas was the one who mentions it later, but I, I, I don't think he was the only one who was thinking it at this point. Now, you notice it tells us what was going on with these disciples as they're walking back. In verse 14, it says that these two disciples were discussing everything that had taken place. So it seems that God had gotten their attention. That whatever it was, you know, that, that was, that had, had sent them back, it wasn't that they were going back without, without at least being aware of God. 
or, you know, or at least they were thinking about Jesus and comparing what they saw, you know, comparing what they saw and what they expected uh, to what they knew of the scriptures, what they knew of their expectations, what they knew of their experience with Jesus. You know, they're discussing everything, it says. They're discussing everything that had taken place. I don't think it was simply that what had taken place at the end. I think it was, I didn't, that, I think it was that, you know, it was kind of an, I didn't see this coming moment for them. Remember when he healed a blind guy. Remember when he turned water to wine. Re- remember when, you know, when we, when we fed the 5,000. You remember all these things. And, and, and now this, you know, and, and what they're seeing here, you know, this was not meeting what they were, what they were, had come to be used to, uh, their time with Jesus here over these last few years. This is not what they had planned at all. You know, every once in a while, it's good for us to evaluate where we're at in our thinking. To evaluate where we're at with our plans. You know, the direction that we're heading. It's good to pause and evaluate those and seeing how does that line up with my walk with God? How does that line up with my time together with the Lord? How does that line up with His Word? How does, you know, how, how does, you know, my thinking, my plans, my directions, how do they all, how do they all come together here? Now you see in verse 16 it says that they were prevented from recognizing him. Usually we see this as a divine act of God not allowing them to recognize Jesus. You know that God, God did something so that they wouldn't recognize who he was. Now that certainly is possible. And that, you know, that, that could be indeed what happened. But let me suggest something else to you. If you look at the, if you look at the passages there, we're told in verse 15 that they were discussing and arguing. You see, as they went along, we're told they're discussing and arguing this point. I think that perhaps they didn't recognize this was Jesus because they were preoccupied. Because although it was Jesus right there with them, they couldn't get away from the reality that was in their minds of that when someone is dead, they're dead. They couldn't get away from the reality that this isn't what we expected. This isn't what we thought would happen. Now, if they were arguing, they obviously had a little bit of a difference of opinion as to what should have happened, as to what did happen, as to what they were in the midst of, as to what they should be doing, you know, and they're discussing and they're arguing. Now, Jesus being there with them, that just wouldn't fit their conclusions. It wouldn't fit their ideas. It wouldn't fit their expectations of what was, what was even possible at this point. We all have conclusions that come from what we have been through. You know, life is unfolded in a certain way, and then we, we, we have conclusions, and we come to some conclusions not only about what has happened, but about what is coming and about what we should be doing. And and it unfolds that way. And these guys are wrestling with the same thing. We have some ideas of what we're in the midst of. You say, I I don't. Well, sometimes we are at that point where we don't. But we have some idea of what we're in the midst of. You know, of what's happening and what's going on now. And we have expectations of what's going to happen. Because, you see, we, we, we look at what's going on. We see what, you know, what's going on and what brought us to this point, And then we think of what, what, what should be coming next. And it, it, this, I think these guys are doing the same thing. You know, and 
these things, you know, happen and, and it's going on. And, and we realize just as they did here, this is not what I had planned. Now, Jesus asked them a question. I think he's trying to focus it. He says, what's this dispute that you're having? I, I, think, he's, I think he's getting their attention here. I think he's trying to, you know, trying to, you know, this, over this last year, you run into people that you're, you know, you're looking at and um, half their face is covered and you're wondering, is this so-and-so? You know, it's a, it's a, I remember, you know, I said, is that Ginny? Yeah, no, I guess. Um, <laughs> You know, we, 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 we get this thing, you know, and he says, what's this dispute you're having? You know, here's a thought for you. It's real good to stop and think what you're arguing about, you know, look at what you're talking about. Most of the arguments we have are really inconsequential. I mean, they are. Most of them are inconsequential. Just think for a minute. Just think of the last argument you had. And think of what it was about. It's so important to us at the time. Now let me ask you. Think of what you were, think of the argument you had a month ago. That's a little harder, isn't it? Think about one you had a year ago. Well, that's even harder. I will guarantee you, you argued about something those times. And we can't even remember what they are. Most of what we argue about is really inconsequential. I mean, it's, it, 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 not even in the big scheme of things, but in the, in the reality of life. Because most of what we argue about is really personal preference. You know, it, it's, I, I'd rather have it this way and you don't. So let me enlighten you as to why it should be my way and not yours. I don't even remember what it was now. It was this morning, come to think of it. And um, I was giving Jenny some of Pat's helpful hints. <laughs> and she said, you don't have to organize my schedule for me. And I said, well, okay then. Uh, but, you know, it's serious. I mean, you know, we weren't arguing. I was just, okay, maybe it was an arguing. I said, you know, we see things differently. And most of it's unimportant. Here they are. They're arguing, and Jesus says, what, what is this dispute you're having? Um, whatever they were talking about discouraged them, because that's, because that's what it says there. Then they looked down, they then discouraged. Now, there's cer- certainly there are some discouraging things in life. I'm not saying, you know, that, that, that Things that bring us down don't happen. I'm not even saying that terrible things don't happen. They do. And discouraging things happen. Sounds trite, but it's true. It's part of life. We know that. It's just not the part we want. You see, it's, it, it, discouraging things come and discouraging things happen. What, you know, what's this dispute you're having? And they look down and they look discouraged. Discouraging things happen, but we choose how we're going to respond to them. Your response to those is a choice you make. 
how you respond to discouraging things. You know, these two, you know, they choose to go home discouraged and arguing. You know, so what are you focused on? Are you focused on the discouraging things? Or are you focused on the possibilities that are yet there? You know, I, I, it's, some of the discouraging things that we get focused on, we can't change. You know, we can't change. Uh, you know, are we going to focus on that? Or are we going to focus on, you know, on, on the possibilities of the circumstances where we are? Things here hadn't worked out for them as they planned. They hadn't worked out as they expected. And, you know, and that can be discouraging. But then some women come, it says, you know, who are part of their group, who themselves were disciples, you know, and, and told them that they've seen these angels who said Jesus was alive. Now, certainly it stretched their experience, and, you know, of what they saw as possible. They saw Jesus raise people from the dead. And, and, and so they knew, you know, somebody coming back from the dead, that was possible. But Jesus was the one who did that. And he, and, and he wasn't here now. So how could this even happen? I mean, no doubt it blew their minds when Jesus did it, but now he, he was the one who did it. And he's the one here, he's the one, you know, who, who they're missing. You know, what if what, but what if what these women said were right? What if what they... Jesus was standing right there with them. He was standing right there with them. Don't be so preoccupied that you overlook Jesus right there with you. When he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, let me tell you what he meant. What he meant was, he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. That's what he meant when he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will never, you will never be on your own, he said. That won't happen. He says, I am not going to allow that to happen. I will always, you know, I will always be with you. You know, so, so what has your attention? Don't be so preoccupied. Now, these guys, these disciples, you know, these two, we're not told too much about them, but, you know, were, were they... Comparing, you know, we were told, you know, as they're comparing what's going on, uh, what, what, was it, what was it that they were preoccupied with? Were they, were they preoccupied with religion? See, don't be so preoccupied with religion that you miss Jesus right there with you. Don't be so, so preoccupied with your situation, past or present. You know, don't, don't, don't be living in the past. Don't be so preoccupied with the past or the present that you miss Jesus right there with you. Don't be so preoccupied with your opinions and with your feelings. They were arguing. They were disputing. Why? Because they had different opinions on what was, what was going on or possibly what should, what should happen. Don't be so preoccupied with that that you miss Jesus right there with you. Don't be so preoccupied with your hopes, with your dreams, you know, with your disappointments that you miss Jesus right there with you. With you don't be so preoccupied that you miss that you overlook jesus with you pick up with me again verse 18 says the one named cleopas answered him are you the only visitor in jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there these days what things he asked them 
So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported what they had seen, that they had seen a vision of the angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, how unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets had spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. You see, at this point, their, their disappointment and confusion was leading them. That's what was leading them. That's what was leading these disciples of Jesus at this point. They were being led by their disappointments. They were being, being led by their confusion. They felt that Jesus was the Messiah they had been waiting for. Then Jesus didn't meet their expectations. You know, their expectations of what the Messiah would do. Their expectations of, of him being warmly embraced even. Their leaders rejected him. They said, you know, our, our leaders turned our, their leaders rejected him. Their leaders turned him over to the Roman officials so he would be crucified. This was, you know, this was not what they expected. This is not what they had planned. Notice what they said. We were hoping he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. They didn't meet, Jesus didn't meet their expectations of what it meant to redeem Israel. And the popular opinion of what it meant to redeem Israel at that point was that he would be kind of like the zealot, you know. I can see where you know, Simon the zealot connected with Jesus because, oh, dude, this guy is going to overthrow the Roman government. That's what he was looking for, somebody to overthrow the Roman government and, and to, to once again allow Israel, their rightful in their minds, their right to rule and their right to, you know, to, well, they would say follow God. Of course, that kind of got messed up along the way, but that's another sermon. Uh, you know, the whole thing of, of what they expected Jesus to do and he was not meeting that. He, we were hoping, we were hoping he was the one. And then he wasn't, they thought. Well, then they have the report from the women. That was confusing. Some of the disciples, John and Peter, you know, they go to the tomb. They found it. It, it was indeed empty, just as the lady said. But they didn't see Jesus. This only added to their confusion. It only added to their despair. Because you see, now not only, not only was, you know, was Jesus dead. Now they didn't even know where his body was. And this was a little bit more than they could grasp. And as they admit it, Jesus speaks to them. Verse 25, you know, there he says, How unwise, slow you are to believe in your hearts, all that the prophets had spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Well, their answer would have been, I don't think so. Uh, you know, verse 27, Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. It's encouraging to me that Jesus met them where they were. He met them right where they were at, both physically and spiritually. 
You see, it wasn't just one or the other. They had left Jerusalem. They were on their way out of town. And he comes and he meets them. They were mistaken about the Messiah's role. They were confused about the reports that he was alive, that he, wasn't, that he was no longer in the grave. And Jesus meets them on their physical journey and takes them into truth on their spiritual journey. He explains the scriptures to them. That would have been the conversation eavesdrop on. Boy, you want to talk about being a fly in the wall. There's the conversation I wanted. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. To see Jesus from, from Genesis all the way, you know, all the way through Malachi, the Italian prophet. You know, to see, to see that in there, in all of those books, that he's unfolding these things about himself there. Oh, baby, that's the one I want to hear. <coughs> you know, and be in on that conversation. Sometimes, sometimes we are pretty sure that we see things clearly. Sometimes we think we have all the answers, but we're missing more than we know. Don't let what you know keep you from learning more. Don't let what you know keep you from learning what you don't yet know. Don't close your mind off to what God wants to show you. Do what they did, you know, compare what you're seeing and what you're hearing to God's word. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Compare what you're seeing, compare what, this is what Jesus was doing for them. He was comparing for them what they saw. He was comparing for them what they knew, what they thought they knew. He was comparing for them what they had been through as they lived with him and showing them how it was in the scriptures. What the scriptures had to say about all that. And helping them to realize, to realize even more who he was. You know, and, 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 and what, what was going on, you know. That he, keep your mind, keep your heart open to Jesus and what he wants to teach you. You know, and it certainly may be something that you didn't plan. Let's pick up with the... And verse 28. So they came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going further. Uh, but they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. It was as he, was re- as he reclined at the table with them and took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together uh, who said, the Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So as, they, as they're nearing the town here, as they're nearing Emmaus, and these two disciples, you know, they, they were feeling some sort of connection with Jesus here, not really realizing it was Jesus yet. They, they didn't know that. And they invite him to spend the night with them. They invite him, invite him in. Now, it's not what they had planned for their trip home. 
They were just going home. Why were they going home? They were going home because they were discouraged. Scripture says they were discouraged. They were discouraged. They were going back home. Home's a great place to be, you know, when you're discouraged. It's a, I, I think it's a great place to be anytime. But, you know, you know he, they're, they're, going, they're, just, they're going back home. You know, they, they were down. They were bummed out, you know, and this is not what they had planned. But now this guy comes along and they invite him to stay. It, that was common. You know, that was common for them in the Mideast. Uh, there wasn't, a, you know, there wasn't a Motel 6. The light was not on for anybody. Uh, you know, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't, a, 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 you know, one on, a, on every corner at every intersection. So what they would do, you know, is if, uh, you know, they, they would invite strangers. They were strangers to them. They would invite them into their home. Sometimes, particularly if there was a connection, they would be looking for some kind of connection, but they would invite them into their home. And so that, that's, what's, that's what's going on here. And as they're serving the evening meal, it says, Jesus takes bread, pronounces a blessing, and passes it out. To what I pictured at this point were some pretty wide-eyed, uh, open-mouthed disciples, you know, because it says that this, at the breaking of bread is when they realize this is Jesus. You know, and we're not told what the blessing was. We're not told what it was. But whatever it was, it got their attention. As I was reading this, I was thinking, did Jesus say to them what he said to the apostles, the 12 apostles at the Last Supper? This is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Whatever it was that he said to them, whatever it was he said to them got their attention and helped them to realize who it was who was right there in front of them. Who it was that they had been walking with and talking with all this time. Who it was who had unfolded the scriptures to them. Whatever it was he said, this is what got their attention. And when they realized that they had seen, that they, you know, they had seen Jesus, they said, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? It's frustrating. You know, it's very frustrating to realize we had the opportunity, that I had this opportunity right in front of me and I chose to ignore it. I mean, wouldn't that be, oh man, wouldn't that just be a killer? I had this opportunity, right? Something, something was prompting me, but I chose to ignore it. Man, I've had that feeling before. I, I have had that and I don't like it. Something was prompting me and I chose to ignore it. You know, and as I think back, I, now their hearts, their, it says their hearts were ablaze and it probably turned to a little bit of a burning in the pit of their stomach realizing what they had missed. Don't wait to respond to Jesus' presence in your life. Don't wait. You know, he is alive and he is here and he wants a vibrant relationship with you. He wants that now, today. He wants that every day. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, he wants that relationship with you. You know, he wants... He wants you to know him. He wants you to have that connection. And if you don't, you know, just, just pray, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've come for me. You know, and, and, and I, I thank you for dying for me. And thank you for being alive for me. Or maybe you've made that commitment and, you know, you've just kind of been doing your own thing. He wants a vibrant relationship with you now, today. Every day. Every day. Verse 33, it says, you know, realizing that they had this experience and missed that opportunity, it says that very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. Again, not what they had planned, but you know what? You know the best time to obey Jesus? 
right now. It always is. It always is. Well, I messed up before. Yeah, but you can right now. You know, yeah, but I've been, you know, I've been wandering. Yeah, but right now. See, right now. Right now when he touches you is when you respond. Right now when you That very hour, that very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. Not what they had planned, but they take a good step. You know, they take a real good step here by going to meet with others who knew Jesus as well. So they went and they went and got to the eleven and the others who were there with them. You know, they had questions that they needed help to understand. So they went to see others they knew who had a relationship with Jesus as well. The first ones they went to were others who had this relationship with Jesus. This is so important. You know, it is. It's really so important. God, God gives us other people. And, but God gives us all gifts, and he gives us gifts to minister to one another, to help each other grow in our relationship with Christ and our relationship with each other. In Ephesians, it says, <coughs> it says he personally gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What? For the training of the saints. For the work of the ministry. The training of the saints for the work of the ministry. To build up the body of Christ. He's given us gifts to minister to one another. He says, until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, then we'll no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow. Let us grow in every way. In every way, into him who is the head, Christ. From, uh, from him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love with the proper working of each individual part. We are incomplete without ourselves, without, uh, without others in our lives. We are incomplete. Notice what it says. It says, for, you know, it's for the whole body, knit together by what? Every supporting ligament, not just part of them. Which ligament you want to do without? You ever tear a ligament? Anybody, anybody here ever tear a ligament? Come on, stick those hands up. Pretend like you're half charismatic. Okay, a couple of you anyway. Uh, you know, uh, it's not much fun. I tore a ligament in my elbow one time walking the dog. What a physically fit guy. Sheesh. I was walking Marley. It was my right elbow too. I was walking Marley and he was over here on a, you know, on a 40 foot leash and he ran over there on a 40 foot leash and, you know, whoosh, you know, my arm. The guy says, you got tennis elbow. I don't play tennis, dude. Uh, you know, apparently it's the same thing. And he said, you tore this ligament and, um, and it wasn't fun, you know, and, and it took, it took over a year to heal. He has put, you know, he's, he's put there, you know, for every, every supporting ligament, every single one. And this is what he wants, you know, that, that there, he says, and it promotes what? The growth of the body, the building itself up in love for the proper working of what? Each individual part. We are incomplete without others. We are incomplete by ourselves. You know, some people have chosen, you know, that they just, they're just going to stay home and they just do church online all the time. That's not what he's called us to. He's called us to be together. He's called us to minister. He's given each of you gifts. He's given everyone gifts to be able to minister to one another. This is what he intends. 
We are incomplete without the others. And they are incomplete without you. They are incomplete without you. Of each, the proper working of each individual part. We are all meant, we are all meant to be active. We are all meant to be participating. We are all meant to be a part of the church, a part of his body. Take time to gather together with others and talk about what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing in your life, to grow together, to serve together. This is what he's called us to. And realize, it may not be as you planned. But it's as Jesus plans. So what can we learn from this encounter here of these two disciples have with Jesus on their way to, to Emmaus? They're confused. They're disappointed. You know, they're on their way uh, away from Jerusalem. They're on their way. You know, th- th- things did not turn out as they thought they should. We've all had times like that in our life more than once, and we will have more in our life where things don't turn out as we planned. What do we do? Well, evaluate where you're at in your thinking, in your plans, in your directions. Compare them. Compare them to what God's Word says. And don't be so preoccupied, you know, that you overlook Jesus with you. Don't be so preoccupied with what has gone on, with what you're in the midst of, or what what you think is coming, that you miss Jesus right there with you. Lift up your focus. Look to Jesus. Lift it up. Look to Him. Don't let what you know keep you from learning more. You know, always have your heart and your mind open to God's leading, to what He wants. And don't wait to respond to Jesus' presence. You know, He is alive and He is here now with you. Remember, Jesus meets us in ways we didn't plan. But He has it all under control. What we're in the midst of may not be what we have planned. But Jesus is alive. You know, Jesus is here. Here with you. If you have a relationship with Christ, Jesus is with you everywhere you go. He is always with you. He has this under control. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this reminder of what a great, mighty, powerful God you are. Of who we serve of who we get the privilege of having a relationship with, of realizing that not only are you here, but you care. It matters to you what goes on in our life. We're not alone. Those times where we think, where we think maybe you're not looking, or we think that it shouldn't go this way, Remind us of who you are. Remind us of the greater picture that you see. We may not understand it all, but to know that you see the beginning from the end and everything in between. And you are right here with us. Thank you, Father. And we would just have to say, too, that it's really what we want. It's not what we've planned, but what you have planned. Because even though we don't understand it, we know that that's best. Your love for us, going to the cross and dying for us, and giving your life 
Scripture is very clear. You withhold from us no good thing. Don't let us buy the lie of the enemy who says that you, that you are not for us. You are for us. Help us to live in that reality each day, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.